Welcome back to the Hour View Podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Sean Greenwood. Sean shares her experience of living with a multiple sclerosis diagnosis and also how she is helping to change accessibility and access for those with disabilities in the business world through her Level 3 Business Advisors Company. I hope you enjoy this conversation. This episode of the Our View podcast is sponsored by Mysterious Miracles, a nonprofit organization in Colorado that empowers the people of Colorado who are living with multiple sclerosis to thrive in their new normal by providing access to medical services and resources, assistance with acquiring personal mobility aids, and home retrofitting. To access these services, or to find out more about Mysterious Miracles and to donate to the nonprofit, visit their website at www.mysteriousmiracles.org, their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash msadultprom, or email team at mysteriousmiracles.org. Mysterious is spelled M-S-T-E-R-I-O-U-S. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Our View podcast, where we aim to educate, raise awareness, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. I'm happy to welcome my guest, Sean Greenwood, to the show today. And uh, Sean, thank you for joining me. I am grateful to have you here today. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes. Can you uh, share with us who you are? Who is Sean Greenwood? Um, well, I will start with saying that my pronouns are she and her. I am an African-American woman, um, well, fair, lighter skin, um, with brownish red hair. I have red glasses on and I am wearing a green shirt. Um, I am, I just, I am a 49 year old woman. It's hard to believe that. I don't know if anybody's gonna see this on YouTube and they may find that hard to believe, but I am 49. Um, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis almost 10 years ago exactly, back in 2012. Um, I come from over 20 years of uh, working in the corporate and accounting world. And I live in normally beautiful sunny Colorado, which right now we're getting about two to four inches of snow. Um, and I am in the, I'm in the process of creating my own wonderful business. I'm very excited about where I can uh, raise awareness for those um, looking to continue to be a part of the workforce um, through accessibility coaching, especially for those in the chronic illness world. Great. I, um, I, I think the we're recording this, uh, it's what, January 27th. And um, I think that's the snow that you're getting is the snow that's headed here to New Jersey this weekend. <laughs> it, it is. In yes. fact, I think what you guys are getting now or yesterday would have been what we actually got dumped on quite a bit on Tuesday. So yeah, it's, uh, it's supposed to come here. This is, it's a, a Thursday afternoon now. We're supposed to get it uh, Friday night into uh, all day Saturday. And they're saying anywhere, you know, parts of New Jersey can get up to, you know, seven or eight inches. And it's, um, yeah, it's, so it's uh, definitely time to be in the house for me. So I'm looking forward to a, a 
<laughs> a one weekend. thing about color one thing about colorado that they'll tell you is that you know just wait five minutes and the weather will change so they are yeah. saying we will probably see the sun right before it goes down oh great <laughs> so. <laughs> so you shared that um that you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis almost uh 10 years ago can you share with us um what multiple sclerosis is so multiple sclerosis is both an autoimmune disease and a neurological disease um, neurological because of the fact that it usually affects your brain and your spinal cord um, autoimmune because they believe that it is caused because your body is deciding to fight itself. So our brains have, all our brain cells have something surrounded around them called the myelin sheath. And what MS tends to do is um, break down and wear away the myelin so that um, it cannot communicate. It cannot pass this, the, this, the sensors to the next one. Um, and so they treat it um, as both. So, you know, I, I have to get MRIs every, in the beginning was every six months, but now it's every year on my brain and my spine. Um, when your myelin sheath starts to wear down, they develop something called plaques. So um, also referred to as lesions. So I happen to have lesions on my brain and on my lower spine, but I have been very fortunate that I have been stable, actually, for the most part, the entire time. So, yeah, um, that is one of the reasons why they call multiple sclerosis um, snowflake disease, because depending on where the plaques occur, either in your brain or your spine, will determine what kind of symptoms you have. Um, you can gain new symptoms, some symptoms can go away. So that is, uh, that is multiple sclerosis in a nutshell. Yeah, it's, um, I, I know um, a few people that have it. And as you said, with, with a lot of, and I would say, I would say a majority of diagnosis, <laughs> um, they are all different for everybody. And um, I think that is what makes sharing our stories of living with these uh, diagnoses so important to share because the way that um, it impacts your life and the way it impacts someone else's life can be, you can have a lot of similarities and also a lot of uh, differences. So I think, um, you know, it's really important to uh, share everybody's story about uh, their diagnosis. Um, did you, so you were diagnosed 10 years ago. Um, were there any signs or symptoms that you were, um, that you were experiencing uh, in your, in your body that made you want to seek out, um, you know, a diagnosis? There was, um, so the primary, there, there were symptoms that occurred in 2012 that kind of really pushed us to be like, okay, there's something more there than, re than meets the eye, but going back and looking back at it, I probably had symptoms almost 10 years prior to that. So um, in 2012, I was having to spend a lot of time at the doctor's office because I was suffering very severe bouts of vertigo. Um, I was also had um, some low grade hearing loss. And by saying that, meaning I could still hear, 
but because I sing, it's I could tell the lower the lowest tones and I could not hear. So somebody with a really deep voice was talking to me on one side. I would only either catch bits and pieces or I couldn't really hear them. Or if they were singing and they happened to be have a very low bass, I couldn't really hear them. So it was interesting because even the ear doctor was like, well, you know, in most common people, they wouldn't even notice that. They're like, but because you sing, and I didn't say sing well, but because I sing, I could tell that something was missing. And so it was misdiagnosed originally as Meniere's disease. We actually, for a year, thought that's what it was. Um, so we went with that. I'd actually gone in 2012 for a follow-up just to get my FMLA paperwork redone for the next year. And the ear doc, the, the ear, nose, and throat doctor was like, something isn't right still. He's like, I'm going to refer you back to your doctor. He goes, and immediately they wanted to do tests of my heart. And I was very confused because I was like, my heart? But I guess um, if you start suffering some ear, some hearing loss, sometimes it's related to heart disease. Did not know that. So I was wow. like, oh, went back, had to be on a heart. Yeah, I had to wear the traveling heart monitor for like two weeks everything came back fine. Um, I had not gotten an MRI of my brain in like five years. I had had one previously because I'd had a car accident um, and had had, um, what do they call them, cluster headaches. Um, so I had gone back and my doctor's like, well, let's go ahead and schedule the MRI. And I kept putting it off and kept putting it off because I'm like, nobody knows what's wrong with me. They're not going to see anything. And then I heard the weirdest symptom happen in August. Like I could not move my thumb. And I could not figure out why. And it, it, I described it perfectly like when you jam your finger playing basketball, that's exactly what it was. Like, that's exactly how it felt. That's exactly how it looked. So I go to the doctor and she's like, you have the strangest symptoms of things I've ever seen. She goes, I want you to get that MRI because I'm wondering about something. And I'm like, okay. So I get the MRI. I don't hear from her for a couple of weeks. I'm like, well, of course, nothing's going on. By that point, my thumb's better. Um, and then she calls and she's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to refer you to a neurologist. Um, we're just waiting to confirm if my hunch is right and that you have MS. And I'm like, excuse me, what? What? Wow. what? Now in Colorado for a long time, MS was... Um, thought to be like a lot more prevalent than uh, in other states. Like we, for a long time, we had a higher rate of multiple sclerosis. Nobody could really explain why. I don't know if that's still the case. I'm going to actually dig into that. Um, and so I was like, oh, um, and finally the neurologist called me back and they're like, yep, this is what we think it is. Come on in. And that was the, the start-ish of my MS journey for, for real. Um, back in 2012, they used to believe that sometimes MS could start from a traumatic incident. And so I had had a car accident um, almost 10 years prior to that, where I had gone through the windshield, my head had gone through the windshield. Um, and it did create a dead, we thought that's what was creating a dead spot on my brain. So that was the last time, you know, they had gone through and checked and had MRIs and everything, and there was not ever another one, nothing seemed to change, but come to find out that that actually could have been the first lesion. Oh, so, wow. 
So, and I had always had funny, weird symptoms from that point on. So that's why they believe I probably had it about 10 years prior. Wow. <clears throat> and it just, it took a long time to get to the right diagnosis. As you said, you were misdiagnosed with, um, you know, something else or what they thought it was before. And um, I, I think I wanted you to um, thank you for sharing that first. And I wanted you to share that just because, um, again, every story is different. And, um, you know, your experience and how you arrived at the uh, correct diagnosis is um, different from from how other people get their diagnosis. So um, thank you uh, for being willing to uh, share that uh, that story. So you have um, created uh, your own business called Level Three. Can you uh, share with us what um, what that is and how you uh, how you developed it? So. I, I will be in full disclosure honest that um, level three was not originally going to be an accessibility um, business. Originally, I had created level three out of a need to obviously have an income um, due to everything happening with the pandemic at the time. So um, I had been laid off in 2020. Um, I took a lot of time to think about was going back into the corporate world right for me. Um, one of the things about most people with MS, but me in particular, is that mine is very sensitive to stress. So if I am under a lot of stress or, or very upset or have something significant happening in my life, um, there is a very high chance that I will either have an exacerbation or I will have a flare up. So um, I had to really sit down and think about because I was having a lot of exacerbations as I was wrapping up that job. Did I want to go back into the corporate world, um, which was hard because I, I have two degrees. I have a bachelor's degree in finance. I have a master's degree in real estate and property development, which I had been so excited to complete because that was what I wanted my next step to be was to go into um, developing, you know, properties, working with, you know, home builders, things like that. Um, but I had to be real with myself for at least during this aspect of my life, it was getting to be too difficult to do it. So I created Level 3 originally to do consulting for um, smaller businesses on the operational side. So like accounting and process improvement and things like that. And that was originally what it was created for. Um, and then in August of 2021, actually, I had an epiphany all of a sudden that, gee, operations, even though it's something I know how to do, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, what I've wanted to do and wanted to do for quite a long time was be an advocate uh, for those, especially um, in the MS community, but the chronic illness community as well, um, to get and help provide what we as a community need. Um, and that is, you know, organizations to understand and work with us in the specific um, accessibility and accommodations that those especially with chronic illness need, which sometimes differ than for those who um, might um, be blind or have low vision or might be deaf or hard of hearing. Um, things like that. So 
that's what I decided I think I wanted to do. And I wanted to educate other small business owners because I come from a family that has entrepreneurs in it on how they can tap into this market of people who still want to work. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think because you have an illness or you have a disability that you don't want to work, you just want to collect from the government and that's what it is. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, a lot of people grapple with whether to go on social security, um, whether to take governmental help because they don't want to be, get to that point. Um, they want to be able to work and feel valued and feel that their opinion matters. Um, and so that is a truly untapped market that I truly believe that smaller businesses, especially, and especially during a pandemic, um, could tap into um, and find some wonderful, loyal employees um, if they take accessibility into account when they're creating their business instead of going at it as an accommodation. To me, um, accessibility is proactive, accommodations are reactive. Wow, that was good. <laughs> I like that one. That was really good. Yeah, I just wish other people would actually listen to me. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. I um, I, I think it it's so important that you're doing that. Um, because as you said, your your needs as someone with MS, uh, for you know when you're working, could be you know very different from someone who has a different type of disability. And I think businesses need to be educated on all levels of, um, you know, accessibility and, and accommodations. And it's just, um, and, and I think there is no better way to learn and educate um, people about these things than through someone who has that diagnosis, because you know what, uh, you know, and again, everybody is different, but you can provide some great deep insight as to what um, is needed uh, for someone who has a multiple sclerosis diagnosis based off of your own experience of, um, you know, things that, that you would, you might need. So I think it's really uh, great that you have, that you've had that epiphany to change your, uh, <laughs> change your course there and to uh, explore this, you know, that, that side of uh, small business and uh, I live in a very, I, I don't know how old the town is, but it's an old town. So a lot of the uh, stores and restaurants and things have steps to get in and out of. You know, they have the ramp that's in the back in the kitchen, you know, for the delivery. So they do have an accessible entrance, of course, but it's not the front entrance. Um, so, and they are working on changing that, I've been told. Um, but it's just so interesting to me that it wasn't it wasn't thought of originally. <laughs> um, it, it's just amazing how certain things are, um, you know, thought of after the fact. And, um, yep. you know, after somebody brings it to their attention or, you know, unfortunately after somebody wants to sue them for, <laughs> for a discrimination or something like that. Uh, it, and it, why it's not uh, the first thought in somebody's mind, like is everybody able to get in and out of the store through the front entrance? You know, not not that okay. I'm not breaking the law because technically I have an accessible entrance. It's in the back, 
you know, and it's in the kitchen where African Americans had to fight not to, you know, enter through the back doors and eat in the kitchen. But you know, it's okay because it's it's we're not breaking the law, so that's how, <laughs> you know, that's how they justify things um, from a, a physical disability standpoint. But there are so many other. Um, things that need to be accessible and uh, able to accommodate not just the employees that may have uh, disabilities like multiple sclerosis or other chronic illnesses, but, um, you know, the employees and the customers that may come in, uh, you know, that need to be uh, looked after and uh, accommodated. And and so I, th I think the work that you're uh, planning to do with uh, level three is, um, very good and very much needed. So <laughs> I'm excited. I do want to try to take, um, coming from corporate, I, I want to try to take a little bit of the stigma away from the ADA and the ADA, A, A. It's <laughs> a lot of A's. Um, I do want to try to take some of the stigma away because I think we've, to a certain extent, have frightened a lot of people because you always associate ADA with, I'm going to get sued. And so again, it's all, it becomes a very reactive situation instead of, um, I wanna to try to take that stigma away by, especially with small business owners, um, helping them think of it as almost part of writing a business plan. So we know we have the various steps we need to take when we create our business plans and including, you know, writing financials and what are you going to do for sales and how are you going to market, you know, how are you going to be accessible. And so I want to definitely want to specialize in working with small to medium sized businesses because they are still at that point where they can do that it's easier for them to do that and the people involved already need to have an open more open mindset in order to to do that i don't want to come in like you know like a lot of times you know it gets looked at a you know we're coming in and well you know we're going to sue you if you don't do this this and this now yes it's true we can sue you if you don't do x y and z but let's teach you from the beginning how to make your business accessible that it's whereas it's not painful for you you know, it doesn't have to always cost a lot of money because that's also the thing is everybody thinks everything costs a lot of money. No, a lot of things don't cost a lot of money and create the mindset where you want to involve and celebrate everybody and their differences. Um, and so it, it makes it strange because it makes it seem like I'm going to, I am, I'm going to really focus on working with a certain type of person. I really want to work with people that they understand this and this is them. And there are people out there that are like, you know, I want to hire these people. I just don't want to understand the best way and the right way to go about doing that because they really do want to try to honor somebody. Mm -hmm. So, and those are the people that I think are open to helping make change. They are the allies that are gonna help us move forward. I mean, we have to realize now we haven't touched the ADA since 2008-ish. Right. So, you know, which was, I was a manager during that time. So I remember life before the ADA mm -hmm. and, you know, it shouldn't take 20 years every time to make a change. The only way things are going to change faster is if we as individuals make the changes ourselves 
show that this is what we want as as a country, as a community, as a person, and and make sure that our government sees that and that they will follow suit. But if we want to continually count on the government to do everything, that's when I feel we run into a problem. Yeah, we have to um, we have to show people and and like you said, the education piece of it. And as you said, to I love that idea of making it part of a business plan, um, just to make it known and to show that they are thinking about everybody, uh, to include everybody, because that's the thing where um, I always say, I wonder if um, when I go out, you know, pre-pandemic time, when I would go out to concerts, and I would never see or hardly ever see anyone who was a wheelchair user at these concerts sitting in the accessible seating section, um, you know, or anybody. I've been to football games in a sold out stadium where I'm the only person sitting in the accessible seating section. Um, and I always wonder, is that, um, is it because people feel like it might not be accessible for them? And, you know, so so it's, and, and sometimes the tickets are just so difficult to find and, and how to figure out how to get it because you can't get them through Ticketmaster sometimes. You have to yep. actually call a number and then they direct you and connect you to another or second or third number. <laughs> so here you have to, you already have to have a ticket for, well, for the football games, you have to already have the tickets. And then when you get to the stadium, you, you can try it. to switch them out. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, and it's different for every venue, for football stadiums, for concert venues, it's, um it's so different and it's so difficult sometimes. I, I really wonder if people are just like, you know, screw this, I'm just not gonna go. So like, that's one area that I really would love to, um, you know, address and um, just sporting events and, and concerts and, and um, just general uh, events in general, I should say, where making, uh, you know, seats, accessible seating is not a difficult thing to do. <laughs> Um, cause I, like I said, I always wondered like, why aren't more people coming out? Is it because they feel that things may or may not be accessible for them, uh, make or made easy for them to get, uh, accessible seats. So it's, um, it's something that definitely has to change within the, uh, the business world for sure. And I think, um, the way that you're going about it, I really appreciate that to, um, you know, it's not the, like you said, it's not the, oh, we're going to sue you kind of thing. It's, it's the, we're going to educate you on here's how, here's why you need to do it. And here's how you can do it. And it doesn't cost a lot of money. That's the other uh, important thing because people, you know, they, I, I don't think people are intentionally, um, you know, forgetting about those who have disabilities. It's just, it might cost them a lot of money, as you said. And so it's like, it's difficult for them to do it, especially small, small businesses. Um, so the way that you are approaching this, I think, is um, a very good, uh, very good angle to take on uh, on this approach to making a change. And like you said, we can't always depend on um, the government and you know the political uh, heads to change things uh, in our community. So we have to be out in front of it all and um, starting to make that change. And I think it. Um, definitely can be done. So I'm glad for uh, the work that you're uh, starting there. And, um, you know, I wish you all the best and, and everything with it. <laughs> Thank you. I know it's seems kind of, some people's like, you're very idealistic. And I'm like, I am. 
but I think because I've spent enough time in corporate, I've seen it, I've, I've seen enough, but I know there are people out there that, that care. Um, mm -hmm. It was interesting. Um, I was doing some research because I'm actually putting together um, an online course. And that's what I want to do is make it accessible to business people in general where they don't have to come to, you know, a conference and spend $25,000 in three days to listen to how <laughs> to do this. I want to make it accessible to the business owners too. Um, and I was doing some research and it was interesting um, on the CDC's website, actually, it said that six in 10 Americans right now have a chronic illness. Four in 10 have more, have more than two. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying 60% of the workforce suffers from a chronic illness, um, we need to look at some things. Yeah. Um, we need to and look the at pandemic is making it a lot worse for people because yes, because now we'll have long haul COVID, right? We will have issues where, you know, it's going to be tough for people to come back. And, you know, all of a lot of these people, um, including a lot of people with chronic illness, based on what is defined as a disability in the ADA, they are, they are disabled, right? And that's um, something I think it's different with, um, and maybe and maybe it's not. But you know, when you have a visible disability, it's like okay, we can see that. Um, or if you've had a disability from from birth, it's like okay, mm -hmm. you know, you've had you've had we can see that we can see that you've dealt with this for this long. With chronic illness, a lot of times it can be different because a lot of times people aren't diagnosed until their 20s or their 30s. So they've had a life before chronic illness and then they have a life after chronic illness. And at least for me, I cannot speak for everyone. It took a long time for me to A, tell people I even had multiple sclerosis. It took me probably three or four years before anybody I worked with knew and very few friends knew. Um, and then to the next step, okay, you admit you have an illness to then saying, coming to a realization that you may really be disabled. I know that sounds, that might sound strange <laughs> to some people, um, but it is something that, especially those that suffer with chronic illness, sometimes have to sit there and have that defining conversation with themselves and I finally had to I had that's what I had to have with myself in 2020 when I had to realize that I'm using my handicap placard more that I can't walk as far as I used to that I tend to fall a whole lot that you know I I will slam into things or bump into things and end up with bruises and concussions and all kinds of things um, that my cognition, even though I have two degrees, my cognition is not what it used to be. I can't think as sharp as I used to be. And even if I have a good thought, it may not always come out that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, when you're dealing with chronic illness, especially you do go through a mourning process. Oh yeah, absolutely. Losing, losing what you were. Um, and then you also go through a process of if you determine and you want to accept the fact that you are disabled. And a lot of, of those with chronic illness say, no, I'm not disabled, I'm an ally. Mm -hmm. Either way, um, it, you have to sit there and think and come to that realization. And then you will still, to a certain extent, mourn that. Because 
when I realized that I was going to finally accept that I was disabled, um, then I also had to accept that I was going to be having to have a lot of conversations with people that either didn't believe me, <laughs> wondered why I was going to say that when I look fine, or, well, then you're taking resources away from those who need it. Right. Yeah, that's, um, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, um, it is, it's something completely, um, different when like I, I was born with my disability it's all I've known for 40 years and acquiring um, a disability or a chronic illness uh, later on in life it is you you do have to mourn and grieve that person and the things that you used to be able to do who you you know when you're still the same person at your you know core of course um, you know but there is that loss of uh, function sometimes for people and um and that's that's okay like it, it is a whole process that you have to um come to at your own in your own time i guess <laughs> you can yeah. say for for everybody um and it, it is uh it's just so important that that you brought that up because it's um with this pandemic a lot of people are like you said experiencing the long uh covid and they're developing these um conditions that they didn't previously have and you know, now I, I've seen a lot of people that are now considered uh, to have a disability and they're waiting on their uh, Social Security checks and they can't believe that the Social Security check is so small and how, you know, how, how am I supposed to live off of this? Well, it's what people with disabilities have been living off of for years. Um, and it's things that, that we have been trying to say uh, to take a look at this and, and how do you expect someone uh, to live off of that small amount of money, <laughs> uh, you know, and prices of everything continue to go up. And, um, you know, so it, it is a, a great uh, conversation to have. And, and with the statistics you mentioned from the CDC website with, you know, and the numbers just keep rising <laughs> in those yep. in those areas over time. So and then you have a, um, you know, population of um, a segment of our population that is getting older that are developing um, you know, diagnoses and disabilities and things like that too, but they're still, at the same time, they're still working. I was just uh, sharing with my cousin the other day where um, she's not quite 35 yet and I'm 40, but we were talking about how when we were younger, our grandparents who at the time would have been in their 50s or early 60s were like retired or our grandmothers who weren't working, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's like now you have, you have relatives, your aunts and uncles and, and people that are working till they're 65 and 68 years old. And so it's like it, things have changed so much for every for everybody. And um, it's uh, it's, it's kind of hard to keep up with with everything. But <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, we, we do have to continue to um, evolve and adjust, I think, for those um, for these new numbers and new statistics that are um that are occurring so it, it does mean that more people with uh disabilities and chronic illnesses will be uh are out you know we're out in the public so these small businesses that you plan to uh work with will need to um you know become more inclusive and as accessible and um accommodating for for these uh these people so again i think you're 
doing really uh, great work and um, looking forward to see uh, to see how everything is going for you in you know another couple of months and years from now. So, well, let's definitely catch let's definitely catch up and yes and see what kind of progress we can we can make. You know, yes. we just all need to you know. I I'm very lucky that I found a group um, that um, is willing to be helpful and accepting. Um, of this new path that I want to go on and, and help guide me to um, being able to try to accomplish my goals. So um, diversibility, I've, I've only been a part of them for a month and they've been, they've been wonderful. And sometimes it just comes down to finding people, which I've always said, finding people who, who tend to understand what, what is going on. And that doesn't mean that friends and family don't want to support you or aren't there for you, but sometimes, um, you know, they don't understand because they're used to you being a different way. Mm -hmm. And so even though like now it's been 10 years and sometimes it shocks me that it's going to be 10 years, um, but it's been 10 years. And if I have a hard time still remembering sometimes that this is, I, this is stuff that doesn't happen anymore, you know, they're going to go through it too. So yeah. It's definitely very, it's very different. And um, I definitely think, especially for, for organizations and businesses, um, the type of technologies that we have out there right now in general that we didn't have before, like, you know, the different types of, of reader devices. Um, I use Otter a lot, which sounds silly, but it's, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, my eyes could be bothering me one day and it's hard for me to, to see so then I'm I'm making sure that I'm using a reader so I can hear stuff more or sometimes it's my ear might be bothering me um, so I'll use otter so that I can have the transcript and go back and see what they're saying mm -hmm. and you know so it, it you know these are things that weren't necessarily there before you know tools such as dragon that allow you to you know speak and and do things on your computer you know these are things that you know we didn't have 20 25 years ago right you know, that are tools that are not a lot of money in the overall scheme of things that could make a difference for somebody. And then there's those things that are free, like, you know, you know, maybe they need to work a different type of schedules. So like maybe they can work from seven to noon. Maybe they need to stop from noon to two because um, they have to rest. Maybe they have to change their colostomy bag you know, various things like that. And then mm -hmm. they can hop back on and work for another couple of hours. Now, those are things that are more acceptable now just because we've been remote for so long, but there's still things that we have to, to break the, the habit of businesses thinking that we have to work eight to five and that we have to know what you're doing all the time and that, you know, it has to be this way. Unless something has a specific deadline, like, you know, tax day, something like that, <laughs> a lot of things, we can be more flexible and right. we have to get the, the, the business world, whether it's small, medium or large to understand that and realize that there's more than one way to achieve the goal. That was so well said. And I definitely agree because it's, you know, for me, sometimes 
you know, mornings aren't the best. You know, I had a rough night, didn't go to sleep because of discomfort and pain. You know, didn't fall asleep till three and then have to get up at eight to be ready for work at nine. And it's like, sometimes that's rough, even if I am working from home. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so like you said, if there's nothing that's like pressing and that's due by noon, uh, you know, it would be nice if if you could be more flexible and say like, hey, like, I'll I'll be there, but like, can I start at 10 today? You know, moving a little slow. Uh, the winter time is, is rough because my body, everything tightens up. So it's just like, hey, you know, again, can I can I come in at 10? Can I start at 10? <laughs> I don't have anything yeah. due today. And, and, you know, or even like I, you know, I function better just at night, you know, might be better for me. So since we're working from home, can I just, you know, can I work from home at night? <laughs> can I do that uh, in the evening hours or, you know, start at four o'clock and, and work my couple of hours? Um, so like you said, just being more flexible, something as simple as that can make such a big, um, a big change for, you know, for so many people. And like you said, with the te uh, accessible technology that's out there now with the readers and things like that, they are so beneficial to so many people. I'm so glad yes. that, um, you know, I'm so glad that Facebook and Instagram have done a lot better with the captions on videos. They have the the, um, the option to do automatic captions now. Oh, yeah. Like, so, yes, yeah, so much better. It's it's so great. I even, um, I, I don't know what it was, but there was a video I was watching and there was just um, like a terrible humming sound or something that was going on and it was just like i wanted to watch the video but like i can't take this for seven minutes with this <laughs> you know with this humming so it's like i can put it on mute and at least watch it and read the captions like okay yeah. that works out great <laughs> but it was like seven minutes of that is not that's not going to work for me <laughs> i can't oh, can't do it i know so i know it's, and, it's, and it's hard when you don't even like when you don't even know like the fact of it being like well you get up and you're like, well, this day is a day that my hearing's not very well. I'm going to have to have captions on for most everything. Or, oh, this is a day that my eyes, I've been actually going through it now for the last couple of months where my eyesight is really having issues with my visual field and stuff. And that is a part, can be, is a part of MS too. And so it's like, I'm like trying to see stuff. So like I have stuff blown up at like 300% and then mm -hmm. I, you know, or I, I, you know, sometimes even, you know, I have it read to me because it's just like, I can't do it. And it's like, it's hard when you don't even know from day to day what you may need. Right. And so, so really, if we really thought about it, some of these businesses could afford to just have that for everybody anyways. Mm hmm. So yeah, just because, yeah. you know, it's the, the thing of um, I know it's been a big uh, conversation lately about mental health days and uh, the gymnast who, you know, left the competition because and stated because of her mental health. And it's just like I, I know businesses have become more, um, you know, been talking about that type of thing more, more often and uh, more understanding and, and people uh, by friends and family who have children sometimes. And it's just like, you know, their children's have the, you know, with this whole pandemic, it's like they're stressed out and they just have their breakdowns. And it's just like, okay, yeah, you're staying home today, you know, keep, keeping the kids home for the day. It's like, that could be very helpful for some adults too. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> there are plenty of times when it's like, ooh, I'm having a, a meltdown and I would, I'm taking a mental health day. Yeah. Um, It's definitely better now. It's definitely, 
I think looked at better now than even a couple of years ago. I think the pandemic, even though it has forced us to spend a lot of time at home and some people don't like their homes, I happen to like my home, so it's not a big deal, but mm-hmm. you know, it has, it has forced, um, it forced us to be adaptable, which I feel like we've kind of gotten away from. Um, it's forced us to have to be adaptable, have to change on the fly, um, have to figure out how to make things work. So I'm hoping, and it already seems like it's going the opposite way already, that companies are trying to force people back already. And it's like, we've already established that we don't have to be there. Right. (laughs) You know, like for me, I'm, you know, I have MS, but I'm also immunocompromised because I have to do an infusion every six months Hmm. um, to help keep my MS under control. And many of us have to do that. So, you know, you know, if you're immunocompromised, I don't want to go into the office necessarily. Right. It's one thing to get together with a small group of friends that I've been around for a length of time or something like that, but I don't want to have to go back in the office with a hundred people that I haven't seen in yeah, two years. Yeah, and don't and don't know what they're what they've been doing but, outside and who they've been yeah. around and and you know it's things that you have to think of more. Um, you know, you may have thought about them before now, but you know more more so now. I think people are are becoming a lot more aware of that, um, of those types of things. But I, um, I truly appreciate it and enjoyed this conversation with you. It's been so much fun. Yeah, I had a great time. Good, good. Yeah, I had a great time. (laughs) No, I had a great time. I followed you on everything. And I was I've listened to your podcast. I'm like, I just love him. So I am (laughs) so excited to to have done this and I couldn't have thought of a better person to do my first oh, good. podcast with. So good. I'm I'm so happy. Oh good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm so happy to um have um shared your story with everyone. And again, I wish you uh the best of luck. Where can um people follow you on social media? Do you have an Instagram page, Facebook or anything? I have all the pages and they're kind of all not named exactly the same so um um, you can go to my website which is www.level the number three businessadvisors.com um you can follow me on twitter instagram linkedin and facebook and i'll make sure to provide you all of you know all of that information too yeah and yeah like you know come join me, you know, let's have conversations, you know, let's even, let's even have fun. So I I do, you know, sometimes I'll post stuff like, well, this is what happens when you have MS, (laughs) you know, stuff like that happens. You know, I, I, I happen, I always, when I, on Instagram specifically, I always have my hashtag beauty with MS because it's like, you know, I'm beautiful and I fall down. Yeah. And, and it happens, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. And, and it happens. And it so happens. Whether, <laughs> whether we want it to or not, it's just, yes. you know, and, and exactly. oh gosh, that, that happened to me. Um, have Thankfully not as often, but sometimes, you know, my mom will just be like, so what happened? Like, I don't know. Like my legs just didn't move. Like I, I went forward to move my legs just stayed there and it just like kind of fell over. Just like, oh, okay. or, yeah, that, yep, that happens. Or like I'm walking with my dog and I swear I lifted my foot up enough, but obviously I did not. And then pff, down, right. I'm yeah, falling like, down the hill in front of my house. You know, my neighbors are just like, here she right. goes again. So, 
So oh, yeah, sometimes gosh. it's embarrassing, but then it's like, you know, sometimes you, you have to laugh. So yes. I, I, I'm really actually excited and I really want to get my, my, my blog up soon. Cause I really do think a couple of people would find some humor in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing you have to laugh and, um, it definitely helps, you know, helps get through the, the tough times, but, uh, so I, I, again, appreciate you for uh, joining me on this episode and for sharing your story and wishing you all of the best for uh, level three and thank for you. what is to come for you. So uh, Sean, I thank you and um, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks, you too. All right, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I want to make sure that this podcast is as interactive as possible. So if you have any questions or any topics you would like for me to address in an upcoming episode, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. You can also email me, ourviewforlife at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.